Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me is John Duke, and the Celtics are finally at 100%. Yes, for the first time this season, a game against the Detroit Pistons fielded every single Boston Celtic healthy and in uniform. A nice night for Al Horford. We're definitely going to be talking about that. 18 points, 11 rebounds. Love that, a rebounding number. John's going to gloat about his prediction for Al Horford's rebounding this uh, this show for certain. Five assists, two steals, three blocks. If I told you those stats... Based on this team, you might not have thought that it was just such a very close game, 94-92 the final, uh, but a good win nonetheless. We'll obviously critique ourselves in the week that has passed and look ahead to the week that is coming up. A reminder, follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke, the entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio and the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans. Don't forget to download the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. That's the best way to listen to our show and all the fantastic CLNS Radio content. And I'm going to talk to uh, talk a little bit tonight about Comcast Sports New England and the fact that they hosted a number of us from CLNS Radio at an influencers night in their box at the Garden in the game against the Dallas Mavericks. So we'll touch upon that a little bit as well. But to download the radio app, you simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. And then there's the YouTube channel. I did get a chance to catch up with Jared Weiss, host of the Garden Report on Wednesday. It was good to see him face-to-face as well as uh, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and uh, his partner, Sean Back. So first time I ever met Sean, great, great time in Boston. But don't forget that YouTube channel, high definition, full length locker room interviews. And you will actually see Nick Gelso on the Garden Report if you haven't already by going to that YouTube channel and watching the Garden Report after the super big loss to the Warriors, John. This was just an absolutely horrendous horrendous game the team critiquing themselves afterwards as well it was terrible it was disgusting i had the the pleasure the unfortunate duty of hosting the uh post-game show so the post-game show on clns radio on friday night a uh, good time with bobby manning uh, we had a great time nick the joined us as our, our guy on the board and and really keeping us in check uh, but we had a lot of problems, but the pro- the technical problems we had were certainly minor compared to what the Celtics had in that third quarter against the Golden State Warriors, where all of our greatest fears of what could happen with this Warriors team came to life. The, 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 the nightmare came, became true. And the the drumpers were just raining in from everywhere. Clay Thompson, Durant. I mean, that was not a great shooting night by, by any stretch from Steph Curry, but boy, what a, what an impressive performance by that team. I do think the Celtics will have a bit more composure next time. I do feel a lot better about where the Celtics, I guess, rank in the pecking order after Saturday night's game with Detroit. But Friday night's game does give some hope. I thought there were some good performances there. I thought some of the young players actually showed up a little bit. I thought Rozier had a little bit of uh, some nice time there. I thought Jalen Brown showed a little bit. I thought James Young showed a little bit. They they were really part of that effort that tried to close the gap there in the fourth quarter. Fortunately, it all came up short, but I would say that I thought the Celtics actually they acquitted themselves fairly well. I expected this sort of result. I was disappointed that they were so close and then to lose it all one one stretch there in the third quarter. But those Warriors, they're a great team. And and you gotta wonder, after all these you know, months and, and all these games, these two teams 
have played over the last two years. So close. The Celtics have the closest uh, point differential with the Warriors of any team in the NBA over that the last two years. You knew at some point that Dan was going to break free, and it, it certainly did Friday night. You know, the other thing, too, is is that game actually slipped away leading up into the half. It was like the last two and a half minutes of that second quarter. While the score didn't all of a sudden become a, a near 30-point deficit uh, that quickly, you saw them sort of slip. At the end of the first quarter, they were getting down, but they crawled back in. They went through that a few times, but they really did keep it extremely close. But I didn't like the body language. I didn't like the lack of passing. It was almost like Golden State was starting to exert their will as they closed out the first half. And then obviously you saw what happened in the third quarter. Marcus Smart knocking down three-pointers. We know he's a closer, but he actually had a little uh strong performance at the beginning of that Golden State game, which was awesome. And he's developing this floater that I absolutely love. He's hit it a lot recently. I definitely think that's going to open up things and and probably open up his three-point shot just by virtue of when he does the show and go. If he gets him to bite, he'll get around him and, and hit the floater. If he keeps hitting the floater, they may have to give him a little bit of space. And if he has space, it's going to increase his three-point shooting percentage as well. You made another great point, John. Just the minutes for the youngsters in the second half of that game they did climb back in you know who else has impressed me immensely over the last week is Terry Rozier there's been some moments where he's attacked the basket and he's been unable to finish but some of the rebounds that he's gotten are very much similar to the way that Avery Bradley has increased his rebounding numbers this season like a rocket compared to previous years and Terry's performances are just showing increased composure I'm duly impressed with the way he's playing. He's actually probably the one, more than anybody else, filling that Evan Turner role at this point from last year. Yeah, I think so. And I think he's gonna, it's going to take some time for him to grow into that. But, you know, one thing that I think is really going to help him and help the team, and, and as we progress through the year and as this team's rotation actually resembles what we all thought it would in September and October is that he's sharing the court or sharing the backcourt, I should say, with either Bradley or Isaiah Thomas most times. You're very rarely seeing one of those two not being on the floor, which is allowing some stability to that offense. Uh, I think that, you know, as we saw in the early going, and we talked about it a lot, is that that second unit was really having a hard time, not just the second unit, but also the transition to that second unit was really struggling in the early parts of the year. Now here we are a few weeks into the season, and certainly injuries have, have hurt this, but as more of these guys have returned, we're trying to find a, I think Brad's trying to find a way to take those, those peaks and valleys out and always having somebody on the floor who can get their own shot, whether it's Bradley or Smart, or excuse me, Bradley or, or Isaiah. And then that allows, I think, a guy like Terry Rozier to say, okay, I don't have to just lead this unit in scoring. I can just do what I do best. And I think that, just in what you're saying, he's he's taking that, and now he's starting to build off it. We saw it, I think, in the Detroit game, and I think we also saw it there Friday night against the Golden State Warriors. All right, well, we're going to do a quick week in review after we talk about our newest sponsor, Blue Apron. And one of the nice things about this sponsor is they sent us four meals for us to try out before we actually speak to them uh, and uh, the quality of their service on the show, John. And really, what they're trying to do is make incredible home cooking accessible to everybody. I think the thing that stood out to me, number one, is they send along the recipe cards and you know the instructions on how to cook the food. The part that blew me away was the fact that when I plated the food after we cooked it, it actually looked like it did in the picture, and I can tell you, I'm I'm not a great cook, and my wife is definitely a good cook, but there are just times when you get a recipe, and then you cook it, and it looks nothing like what you expected it to look like, and I don't know, did you have the same experience as I did? Well, <laughs> I don't want to throw 
anybody, any cooks in my house under the bus. Uh, we did do a little bit together, but I, I was not in, involved in the plating of the food. I was involved in the eating of the food. So I'm going to speak a little bit less to the, uh, the looks, but as much to the taste. And I am, Listen, I'm sure people listening right out there, there are picky eaters among us. I am among the pickiest of eaters. At Christmas, we come up here with Thanksgiving. I eat one thing at a time. We don't mix anything. There's very few things. If I don't, I don't do potluck. I don't do those things. I don't do it. So when some box shows up at your front door saying, "What could this be?" I jumped in. I said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a shot." I've eaten more squash in the last three weeks than I know what to do with, my friends. This has been good food. <laughs> I, I'm not going to – listen, I'm not lying. This is uh, – they are a sponsor of the show, but it's not enough for me to give away my dignity. And let me tell you, this is good food. This is no joke. It, it's, it's good fresh food, ingredients. It's good products. Exactly. And it's packaged yeah. really well. I, any of the meats were 100% – surrounded with iced packing and i really I'm, again i'm not i'm not a foodie i think a lot of people one of the things i did like about it is it caused me and my wife to cook together which yep. was definitely some nice time spent because you know how it is you come home the kids got to do the homework exactly. we're throwing the same meals together every single week the nice thing about this was we got a little bit of a different meal. We put something different in front of the kids. We cook a lot of just chicken, but this time we had fish. I think my favorite recipe out of the four that we got was the pan-seared, and I think it's barramundi, but I don't even know how to spell it because I've never even had that fish. When we have Was fish, it good, though? It was phenomenal. So it had a, a really nice sauce that was with it. And the other yeah. thing is I've been a little calorie conscious lately uh, because – well, just because. And the nice thing about it was is the calories are listed right on there, too. And it's perfectly portioned. So if it says – if you – you can order it in a couple of different ways. But I ordered, uh, you know, four portions because we're a family of four. So um, we got it. It's perfectly portioned out. And the calories per portion are right on there. So for people that are counting calories and, you know, trying to do that stuff, that's the other thing that happens when you get – a recipe oftentimes is you have absolutely no idea, you know, how many calories are in that recipe and maybe mm -hmm. you have to take into account all the ingredients and total it up and that's done for you as well, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, it's been, I think it's been a little bit helpful for the waistline. I will say that I think, and it's good food and that's the thing. Like we all get in our own habits of what we want to eat and what's good. I've been so impressed with this blue apron thing. I've heard people, you know, I'm sure we, you, like, like you, we've probably listened to these podcasts and people talk about blue apron. And you're like, yeah, right. As someone who is the most pit, the pickiest eater you're going to listen to on any podcast, Mark Marin, move over, buddy, because I'm a picky eater and the food's good. So do it. You won't, you won't regret it. It's, uh, it's good stuff and, uh, and it makes you feel good about, about plating your own food and, and it may even make it look good like Justin Poulin can. Yeah. Well, and the other, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is it's really, it's less than $10 per meal and they never use the same recipe in a 12 month period. So you're going to get variety, which I think was, you know, to your point. But the other thing is, is there's no weekly commitment. So like a lot of times you sign up. And then you're stuck and then all of a sudden you're traveling one week or whatnot. You don't have to deal with that. You're only getting the deliveries when you want them, which is really nice. So maybe during the holidays, you're on the road all the time. Uh, you don't really get a chance to shop as much. This is a great way to sort of reduce some of the time at the grocery store without pulling a frozen food out of the freezer kind of a deal. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just let you know we're kicking this off real big, but you can check out this week's menu. Menu. And because you're a loyal listener of Celtic Stuff Live, your first three meals will be free with free shipping. And all you have to do to do that is go to blueapron.com forward slash CSL 2016. You'll love how good it tastes. Trust me, it tastes incredible. No and you're getting home-cooked meals that you can follow easy directions. You can do it as well. I mean, if I can do it, if John can do it, I know you can do it. That's blueapron.com forward slash CSL 2016. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And 
John, a better way to play basketball, not uh, <laughs> tying this in at smooth. all. Smooth. I am so smooth. And I'm, a is is to be healthy. How do you love that one? That I like I'm nerding it. out all Boom. of a sudden with the with the uh ad transition back into basketball. That right there is some some pro pro skills on display. I've been hanging out with the folks at Comcast Sports that I can tell. I, I definitely is, it's been do. wearing off on you here. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Good stuff. But you're right, though. Yeah, it's it is. It's it's amazing what health does. I mean, you watch that team within five minutes of watching those guys on on Saturday night against the Pistons. It was plainly clear. One, Al Horford's a pretty good basketball player. Two, these guys look really good together, and they have a nice cohesion, including you know Crowder being part of that. And three, I'm so glad I don't have to see Tyler Zero in the starting lineup ever again. <laughs> Sorry, you had Aaron. to get that shot in. Aaron, loyal listener Aaron, is uh, is bound to tweet back at you for that one again. You know, Sorry, that Aaron. was a game you thought, and there were two games. I know you picked out the Dallas game. I thought that would be a no-brainer winner. We both agreed that the Golden State game was going to be a loser uh, because even if the guys came back healthy, would they be 100% right out of the gate? I was actually surprised just how ready Horford was in very first uh, action back on the court after an extended absence. But the two games that you and I had slated as difficult for this team was a sneaky pick with the Pelicans, and we nailed that, Boston losing by 1.106-105, a game they really shouldn't have lost and was another effort bomb, I guess is the best way to say it. The Detroit game, though, not an effort bomb. I mean, I think Jay looks a little more rusty, whereas Crowder was 100%. I mean, Jay came out firing, but... I think conditioning could wise, dribble. it just needs it. Yeah, could not dribble. dribble and even Scal point. said it. Scal said yeah. it. He was like, "Listen, that's the first thing to go, and the last thing to come back is the handle after taking some time off." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That point where he's, he it looked like it's like he's in the old Boston Garden where he's dribbling the ball, and all of a sudden he hits a dead spot, and the ball went one way, he went another. It wasn't great, but that's all right. You know, look, he's going to get there. I think he he's certainly. Even his presence in, in a limited period of time, because he really didn't play, I thought, as many minutes as, as he usually will. I think those minutes will creep up as he's getting more comfortable. I thought even even just his presence in there doing Jay Crowder things made that team, particularly at the start and really as they closed out the game, just it, it was amazing how much better you felt about the team on the floor in green last night or you know, Saturday night. The, you know what the thing was, too, though, the, or the thing that's scaring me is – I was really excited to see Kelly Olynyk back. And in the first couple of games, he had that aggression, but he was getting stuffed at the rim. He's already shying away again for the most mm-hmm. part. He's made a couple of runs at the basket, but he's just not able to finish strong yet. But he is slowly creeping into the background again, and he needs to stay aggressive, even if he's playing good positional defense. I, I was actually surprised. I expected Kelly Olenek to have a bigger impact on this week. Well, yeah, I, I think he's – again, I think the shoulder is going to be an issue. I think even more so maybe than a, a concussion, which you know re, that's really uncharted waters for a lot of people – and even the, uh, a lower ankle sprain, as with, with Crowder's was, the shoulder thing, I mean, we, we, we heard from Avery Bradley who said that, that his shoulder, it took a long time for his shooting form to return. And I wonder if maybe we're, we're seeing kind of peaks and valleys where it comes and it goes and he's not able to find his, his, you know, his, his groove, I guess. But that's not, that's not a great sign from Kelly. I mean, he, he, Lost minutes last night. Clearly, um, Jarebko was in there at the end in a spot where Kelly who really played should really be. well, and you it know did. if he gets increased minutes, he gets into a groove and is more comfortable on the floor. That's dangerous for Kelly's playing time and trade bait. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, again, I think we need to give this. I think we need to give him time. I think we need to give him six weeks of coming back. I, I think. You know, by the time we get to the first of the year, we're going to know if Kelly's going to be able to kind of shake this off this year. Um, but 
you know, we've heard if, if anyone who's who's reading, you know, the Celtics Reddit or listened with with our, our good pal Ryan Bernardoni, that is Danger Card on on uh, on Twitter or, or or Sam Sheehan, our buddy Sam. Uh, both of those guys are saying there's a fair chance Kelly Olynyk is not going to be returning to the Boston Celtics or this summer after, or I should say, after July 1st if they're going to try to go after a free agent. So if that's the case, that he may be one piece of the puzzle that leaves sooner than we would have realized. Even still, they're going to need some depth in the front court, and if Kelly isn't going to be able to provide it, Maybe they find some sort of short-term solution because right now they need rebounding help. Even with Horford back, even with you know maybe Jarebko stepping up a bit, they need more help. Yeah, they really do need more help. And obviously the rebounding is an issue, but I think some of that stylistic, they expect to get a certain number of rebounds from the backcourt. It's almost like the front court gets down the floor and then the uh the guards crash the boards for offensive and defensive rebounds. And and that that I think is fine, but Kelly's got to hit his shot and he has to be able to attack the basket on offense. He has the moves. I know he doesn't have the ups, but he has the moves. He just has to keep doing it. He cannot shy away because he's struggling a little bit right now. And and maybe the shoulder is part of that. But uh, I, I like Kelly Olynyk. I'm glad to see him back. But it is interesting to watch Jonas Jarebko bring some very similar traits to the floor. It almost feels like that creates some space for them. You know, I know you mentioned Jalen Brown as well as some as as a player who benefited with extra minutes against Golden State, and obviously he got some run against Detroit because he looked pretty good. But there's one thing that I've noticed, and I want to ask you if you've seen it as well before we go into our, you know, mid-show break here. Do you, did you, have you noticed that some of the veterans are a little reluctant to kick the ball out to Jalen on the wing when he's not got his man guarding him closely? (laughs) They've, They've been, one, Either they were listening to the draft night show and listening to Sam, or two, <laughs> they've been reading the box scores and saying, eh, I don't know if I trust this guy yet out there. I mean, look, I think Jalen doesn't They're have a great sense. They're looking him off, though, right? It's not just me. Yeah. You've seen no, they, it too. And, they, and I think they should be. <laughs> I don't think they should be passing to him because I don't think Dude, it's reliable. Shooting, hold on, hold on a second. He's shooting 43% from the floor. Now, yes. He's shooting 30% from three-point land. And That's I, right. And That's I get it. it. But you know what? Guess who shot 29.4% from three-point worse than that last year and still right. is tossing the rock down. And Jalen's form is there. That's just a confidence thing. Um. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not. What are you talking it's not, about? It's not there. It's not there. And it comes and goes. Look, if he if he's shooting 30%, he's shooting 30% for a reason. And remember, Marcus Smart in his but rookie year. But he's shooting 43% got, from the field. That's, that's, that's not, not the bad. Same thing. That's the, but he's standing at the three-point line. If I'm going to pass to him, if I'm passing him at the three-point line, that shot is worth a 30%. If I'm passing to him and he's on the block, it's worth 40%. Right? So... It is, and he has to set some of that stuff he sets up with an open lane. And he has lanes to the basket when they're looking him off too. That's the other thing. There's, there, I think there's, I, I have, I don't, I mean, I think there's times when probably they should make that pass. But I also, I also see that he does go a bit on his own and, and doesn't have a, he doesn't do great in kind of when he gets the ball looking to find others. I don't think, I will agree with this. And that's it, and that's what's hurting him, I think, is that if he's if they're going to give it to him and they know they're going to get it back, they're more likely to do it. If they're going to give it to him and he's going to chuck it and he's shooting thirty percent, they're probably not going to do that. That's I, I think that's what the Celtics, uh, you know, vets are doing. But but I also will say this to his credit, just to maybe move it forward just a little bit, I do think that he has a little bit of that Marcus Smart in his rookie year thing with his three-pointer. I feel like he is – there are times he gets in a groove with it, and so I don't have an issue with him taking those wide-open shots at all. Most it's the of the same time, they're not flash. air balls either. I no. mean, Isaiah well, Thomas has thrown up two air balls this week. So, yeah. let's, I mean, again, it's because he has to force and facilitate the offense. Completely different situation than Jalen being number four on the – 
you know, pecking order for creating offense and sitting out on the wing where the opponents are more than happy to let him go ahead and try to fire that up. I understand the difference, but my point is it's not like they're not close. He's not airballing shots from beyond the arc. They're hitting inside the cylinder and bouncing out, which means he could go, he could be prone to hot streets. I will say this before we go to the break too, though. He definitely is not 100% aware. He still has a lot of learning. I don't want to say he's overthinking the game because there's definitely moments, like you mentioned, when he gets a little on his own and is a little wild. He's not overthinking anything in that in those moments. He's just going at it. But yeah. sometimes that's pretty, and a lot of that muscle memory or just the repetition, well, I think we'll see a totally different player by the all-star break. It's just nice that he continues to get minutes, but he still has a lot of learning to do. When we come back, John teased the Comcast Sportsnet New England uh, visit that we all had. So I'll talk a little bit about that as well as reconnecting with our very good friend Mike Gorman, who uh, will be on this show again very, very soon as he, uh, he actually asked to come back on the show. So we will certainly be lining him up. We're going to come back after this word from audible.com all right we're back and john and i talked a little bit about the comcast sports uh net new england which was a ton of fun last wednesday we got a chance they really treated us wonderfully as a guest and there's a write-up on cls radio's website about the entire time but i got a, a really nice new hat john Nice Celtics, uh, nice Celtics hat. Got to touch the 84 championship trophy. Uh, got a chance to go down onto the parquet floor. Caught up with good friend Mike Gorman who, man, he is just always the consummate professional. He comes walking up to me in the group that we're, we're with down there and he goes, Oh, this guy right here, he's a legend, which is just hilarious. <laughs> Multi-time and then of course, Hall of Famer right. Justin Poulin is a legend. Get out of here, oh, Mike. Yeah. I just, he's, he comes right from Brad Stevens book of leadership. You know what I mean? He's just like right there, always throw the accolades, you know, away from you and, and upon others. And that's, that's, that was really nice of him, but, uh, of course, Nick and Sean had to throw out this, uh, CLNS radio nickname that they've been giving me lately, the Pod Father. I don't know if you've caught on to that yet, John. But, <laughs> so I've, been, I've yes. been the Pod Father. Jared Weiss actually tagged it, and then Nick's been running with it. I don't know if, uh, if you've heard from Alan, Alan from Title Town, uh, apparel, but, he calls into the post game shows a lot. And one of the things that, uh, Alan, Alan happened to catch up with us because they took us over to the Ace Ticket Studios. So we got to go in there and I took a couple of pictures with Kyle Draper and he had a gift inside of a box that he has for Jalen Brown because he wants to nickname Jalen Brown the poet, which I'm not on board with at all. I mean, I love Kyle, but I'm just, I, it's not really connecting for me, but he yeah. is. He is 100% full bore moving forward with Jalen and the nickname. And he even said Jalen doesn't really, not, not in love with it either, but he's got a gift for Jalen and I think he already gave it to him. I think it's, it's a t-shirt and it's got, it's, it's done by Title Town Apparel. But, but anyway, we're sitting in the box later on and this, uh, this guy, uh, this guy Corey that I met on Twitter, he's got a thousand Instagram, like thousands and thousands of Instagram and Twitter followers. But so Corey is, is, is somebody that we befriended that night. We're all hanging out. And then Alan kind of caught up with us because we were over at West End Johnny's and then we go over to the Ace Ticket Studios and Alan catches up with us and we're all hanging out. But then we head over to the game and Alan actually won tickets to this game on the last CLNS postgame show that I did with Pat Gilroy. So he's at the game and Corey says, Hey, guys, why don't we why don't we see if they'll let Alan, you know, into the box? And uh Nick goes, Oh Justin, that's that's a perfect that's a perfect thing for you. And uh I said, No no no, no <laughs> Nick, you do it, you do it. And then Corey chimes in which is hilarious because I'm older than Nick. Corey chimes in and goes, yeah, Nick, why don't you tell him that you're his dad and you want your son to come in? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Dude, it was such a good time. Skip Parham and uh, 
Rachel and a few other people really showed us a nice time. Good food. We really, we got to walk around, uh, you know, kind of see how they do things and, uh, all, all good stuff. They had a big promo, obviously, because they were competing with ESPN for, uh, viewership on Friday night for the game against the Golden State Warriors. And quite honestly, I think it's a no brainer for any Celtics fan. If you can catch Mike and Tommy, then that's who you're listening to. There's no question. I mean, it would, of course, some of you probably follow on Twitter. I, I changed over. I had, I had the KG for a while. I went to a, a great, picture of tommy i mean look it is awesome we, we we talk about how much we love mike gorman but tommy heinson is is he's more he's not the man he's the goat and uh i, I i've got a chance to you know that that's just that's just what it is and if you're listening to to jeff van gundy and and i was just gonna God go there that you, is so funny you you do if you're listening to those guys you're doing it wrong all right, that's just that's just what you gotta say right there. So you know I'm glad you had a great that, time. Though? You got that's to good. listen. You got to listen to uh, Mike and Tommy, but I did because I'm out of market. Have to lift, listen to Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy. Huh. What is hilarious is on that broadcast they show Mike and Tommy and Jeff Je- Jeff and Mike just loaded them with compliments that night and. Jeff Van Gundy might be the biggest Celtics fan from all of national broadcasting. The way he was throwing love at the Celtics, every call that went their way, the whole, I mean, believe me, he is 100% bought into this organization, which is funny because then we see his brother Stan the very next night. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree with you though. I think Jeff, Jeff is, Better, Mike Breen. I, I just have a hard time with, I, and I know he and he and our, our buddy Mike Gorman are, are, are certainly get along and, and and all that. But Mike Breen, just I I can't I, I can't do it. So Jeff called him out that night too. It was hilarious. I love it because Mike about it. Mike is that's like, well, I don't I don't know, and and Jeff was like, no, that that is a non call, and he's like, well, maybe. And he's like, no, no, Mike. Really, it sounded like there was that you were on the fence, and there's really no arguing here. <laughs> it was, it, it was. It, I mean, if 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 I had to be forced not to be able to listen to Mike and Tommy, at least at least I got you know I got Jeff Van Gundy in rare form. But so listen, since we talked about Comcast New England and and the great time that they showed us, we certainly can't stop there without talking about Scal trade rumors because. Yeah. I thought the Chad Finn from the Globe had a nice write-up. He and I were the only ones that were really biting on that when when it came out. Because my thoughts are, Scal's connected to Golden State and the Celtics. And what do you do when you all of a sudden leak some information that you probably shouldn't have that might close the doors to those info channels? You're going to backpedal. And I know now everybody's saying, oh, they got it from this message board and the guy was predicting the end of times and all of that. I'm sure that that there may be some link there. But I got to tell you, I'm not saying that this trade deal is imminent. But I don't think it's as wildly out of the realm of possibility that it's even being discussed. Because, listen, they got a ton of guards. And if you go back and watch Game 1, and I retweeted the YouTube of it numerous times because people were disrespecting Clay's ability. Like, you really need to just sit back and mm-hmm. watch how he would be so good with Horford. He's just as selfless, plays within the game, picks his spots, doesn't hog it. And yet he went off for 37 points in game one against the Portland Trailblazers last year. Yeah. No, there's, there's no question that he, I, I guess the only question is, is, is Clay Thompson a go-to guy? Is he a go-to scorer? You know, that's, do you have to go out to me? Do you have to go out and you really got one shot? What an opportunity. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Oh, you're going to do but, the eight mile, right? No, one not going to do it. Not miss your chance. <laughs> Come on. But, no, I won't, do, I won't do it to you. I won't do it. You know, listen, I, I'm, I, I'm feeling we'll good. I'm give you some I, beats. I'm, what if I give you some beats? <laughs> you give me some beats, I'll probably <laughs> not eat them because I'm a picky eater. All right, the other beats. Anyway, so listen. 
<laughs> oh, I just Clay Thompson. That. I am slow. Thank I've you. been I've been doing too many home improvement projects this right. weekend. I haven't gotten beads in my blue apron order yet. Thank goodness. <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> that's not a, that's not a hint that I want some. By the way, blue apron. I think that that Clay Thompson could be a go to guy. I think Clay Thompson could be. Somebody who you can build, a, who can, you can help to build a franchise around. The, the argument is, and this is the one that you and I kind of talked a little bit about the day that it came out, is does giving up Horford, or excuse me, does giving up Crowder make you too small? You know, it does. You, you take, you're taking up Bradley, you're taking up Crowder, and you're dumping in clay at that spot. You still have smart. You still have, uh, you know, obviously Isaiah. Jalen Brown is probably the guy you're kind of anointing into that that next uh, you know kind of next guy up on the wing, but you really don't have that four guy that kind of three four guy to kind of step in and play you know power forward position. It does put the team in a tougher spot, but you also just added an all NBA shooting guard, and I do think people were really discounting the impact and the upgrade from going from going from what you have with with Bradley and and Crowder to a guy of the caliber of Clay Thompson. I really feel like people were people were sleeping on no, that. No, it was disgusting. They don't realize how good Clay is. Here's the thing though. I'm not sure the team is better if you move Jay and Bradley, especially because of how good Bradley has been. I mean, he's been the team's leading rebounder, but at the end of the day, Clay has a really sweet shooting form. And you said, is he a go-to scorer? I don't even know that he needs to be a go-to scorer. He plays in the offense the same way Horford does, and yet he is prone to scoring in bunches, which lets Isaiah Thomas continue to be Isaiah Thomas. And it gives him more space to work and more options to bail out and keep the room open when he's going and making his nifty moves to the basket. I just think Clay also fits the system, but you're going to need the defender in Jay Crowder. That's where the deal sort of has me pause. I'm not sure the team is a better team. In an, in, in an isolated situation where the team is not necessarily trying to make a run at the Eastern Conference Finals, I would be fine with trading, uh, trading Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder for Clay Thompson. The only reason I'm not is because I just think Jay is such a huge piece and the next man up is not there. And I love Jalen Brown, but he's not ready to be in that starting lineup in a postseason battle. He needs a couple of years to adjust to the league. Coming off the bench as a six, seven, eight kind of guy, depending on who's coming out, is perfect for him for the first two years. It's actually one of the benefits of being drafted by the Celtics like we talked about. He can grow into the role without having his ego destroyed on a night-in and night-out basis. It's it's perfect for him, and he needs to stay in that role. Now, you want to throw in a Marcus Smart? I'm in. And maybe, maybe Kelly Olynyk would make a lot of sense for Golden State as well. Nice outside shooter, spaces the floor, lets Curry work. They'll definitely improve as a team. Maybe maybe you would do Kelly Olynyk, Marcus Smart, and Avery Bradley for a Clay Thompson. Is that asking too much, or does that help us get some of the picks off the table? Because ultimately, you'd like to hold on to these Brooklyn picks and these deals as well. You would, but I don't know that it – I think you're gonna, it's going to have to t- take a, a high cost. To, to get that next guy. I think you're, there's no way that I think you'll lose Crowder and Brad. I think that you have to lose Crowder and one of Bradley or Smart. I don't think you can. You think Crowder is the essential piece in the deal and I do. throwing in a guard who can play defense well, to make up for the loss of Thompson and Golden State is fine with that because both players can still score somewhat. They add a defender, and all that does is give more shots for, for Curry and Durant now that right. they have so many options. You need you need They need more B-level players to deepen their bench and, and add consistently, particularly at Crowder's position. Because outside but Crowder of, comes off the bench for them. He would. Well, he yeah, he would, but that's... That's what they need. They need somebody at that size who can defend 
you know, those wing guys with, with size. And why not Marcus that's, Smart? That's why though? there's a lot of, cause, cause he's not 6'6 six, six and nobody fills and, both positions. Yeah. He's not a 3 4 though. He's not a small forward power forward. Well, that's true. But then you're that's, throwing that's in Kelly Olinick. I mean, yeah, but are you going to, if you put him on Golden State, who, who's he going to, are you going to take off Draymond? Are you going to take off, you know, KD? Probably not. I mean, they don't need that center to to spread the floor. They need a grinder, small forward wing guy who can who can beat up, you know, the other team's, you know, guy. They can beat up a, a Kawhi Leonard or a. Uh, You're right, but but Jay Crowder is. It, it, we that's want a, that's a tough piece. That's a tough it piece is. to lose. Especially if you're talking the Eastern Conference Finals, because you need, I think you need him to be able to play against LeBron James. You know, it takes a, an entire team to be able to keep him in as much check as possible. Ideally, you want to throw Smart and Jay Crowder at LeBron. You've got to have Jay Crowder over Marcus Smart in that role, though. And I'm not sure that, again, I love Clay Thompson. I definitely would love to have him on the team. I'm just not sure that the team is better if you give up Bradley and Crowder. Well, I, maybe in the short term you're right. You know, looking for between here in June or here in May, you're probably right. But as the Celtics are, we know Danny Ainge is looking long term. He's not looking to May. He's looking to, you know, over the long run here. And so if you trade those guys, if you trade those two, you have you have a spot waiting for them. It's power forward or small forward. You have a golden opportunity to you know sign somebody for a max contract who can fill that spot. Is it is it Blake Griffin? Is it you know a spot to somehow trade in to get? Which I don't think can happen once you do that deal. But a Paul George. I mean, I think that's where you're you're setting yourself up where all stars. Top tier all star in, in Clay Thompson, one of the top five six point guards in the game with Isaiah, the modern big man, the quintessential modern big man at the center position. Al Horford, you got Marcus Smart off the bench, you got Jalen Brown off the bench. You've got you've got a team. All you need is that one max player to sign, and you're really you're you're in contention for the finals right there. That's where the, that's where it puts them. If you don't do those deals. And you still have this kind of good players who are fringe all stars. Not enough. It's good, yep. But and not you, enough. And you're going to have it, salary issues to deal with. Right. And Al Horford's exactly. time is limited. I mean, we saw how impactful he can be, but he's not going to be impacting the game the same way in four years, most likely. So it's a good point. And Danny is thinking that way. I'm certain you got to swing for the fences. And speaking of swinging for the fences, we have to talk a little bit about Zach Lowe's article as well. If you want to tee that up and then we'll talk a little bit about Horford before we close out the show with our predictions for the coming week over Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, right on. I mean, I think that the big thing about Zach's and firstly, firstly, Zach was bringing this out earlier in the week. So he, he obviously didn't have the benefit of seeing uh, what Horford did last night, but basically what he, his reporting was that one, Brad isn't too keen on playing, uh, as, as having Boogie on his team. Two, the Celtics look at Horford as their center for the future. So with those two pieces of information, you got to believe that'd be very difficult to see an opportunity where the Celtics are going to try to get Boogie Cousins. Does that mean that that they wouldn't? I don't think so. I, I don't think they're completely out of the running. But Zach is pretty clued in with what the Celtics are doing. Uh, he knows those guys in that front office pretty well. So if he's getting something from them, I have I have good reason to believe it's 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 the case. Having said that, I think Danny Ainge is the guy who stirs the drink there, and I think that's who you you if 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 Boogie's on the table and they can get him for what he thinks is a worthwhile price, they're going to do the deal. Uh, well, remember, so, Mike Gorman is also somebody who has said, mm-hmm. I would not do that deal. He's been very right. vocal, and just as you state with Zach Lowe, we know Mike is as clued into this team oh, as just about so. anybody could. Now, I'm not saying he's speaking for the organization, but he definitely knows the emphasis on leadership and attitude and the culture that they're trying to develop. And Boogie, 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 jeez, Boogie would be you know, maybe an assault on that. And maybe 
you well, it'd be pretty easy to see why Brad Stevens wouldn't want to have him on the team if that's in fact the case. But at the same time, talent wise on the floor, you can see why Danny would want to have him here. Right, absolutely, and a team that can't seemingly couldn't get a rebound to save its life, and <laughs> but that's because you didn't have Al Horford out there, you know, for a long period of time, and and I I do believe that his rebounding numbers are going to rebound, maybe not to the pre holes <laughs> or pre dual pectoral muscle uh pull you know tears that he had. Maybe he's if not he can average seven to eight rebounds a game, we're gravy. Yeah. Seven, Especially yeah. with the way Bradley's rebounding, absolutely. And I don't, I don't want to count on that. I don't want to count on Bradley continuing to play at that level. But I think between Crowder and and Horford, I think I think even Kelly returning back to form somewhat. I think that those things it will be a net positive in the end of the day. And I don't think rebounding is always going to be the issue. Look, Detroit was a good rebounding team, and they only lost that battle by two boards. So they, they found a way to, to battle in that situation. I think it's, I think to this point, the Celtics issues have been much more about chemistry and about effort than they have been about, um, you know, they don't have the horses. Well, this thing's it's, just been disjointed since day one. Marcus totally. Smart goes down. Kelly Olynyk's not back. Just as Mark's coming back, uh, Marcus Smart's coming back. Then we're losing Jay and Horford. And now everybody's just trying to get their totally. legs under them again. And Jay Crowder's trying to, or Jankles is trying to find his handle again. And, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. How long? Before we look at the week ahead, and maybe this will be a good lead in, and, and maybe you'll, you'll tell me you think this week. How long do you think it will be before the rotations are ironed out, the players settle into their role, and this is assuming no more injuries, but we're gonna, we're gonna make that assumption at this point. Do you think they'll be hitting their stride by Christmas? Do you think it'll be the very beginning of December once we get through the Thanksgiving holiday and next week? How long do you think it'll be before they're hitting their stride? Well, it's funny you mention that because you start to look ahead and say, okay, well, what's going to happen here is the Celtics kind of peer into the start of December. And they've got, they've got the Spurs this week. And they've got the Timberwolves, which are an interesting team. And they've got Detroit. But really over the next two weeks, they've got a pretty easy schedule. They should be able to make some hay here and, and find some footing as a team. I think it was a, even if everyone had been healthy for a period of time, I thought last night was a good win or Saturday night, I should say against Detroit. I thought that was a good win, a good, you know, kind of gut check against a team that hadn't lost at home and had played pretty well. And the Celtics really rose to that challenge. I think they're going to actually have a pretty good run over the next two weeks. And I think that's going to be The Timberwolves, though, is very much like the Pelicans Mm. game where, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is probably going to give them some fits. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and actually, you know, I'm not sure that uh, the Pelicans big stud muffin Anthony Davis necessarily gave the Celtics as much fits as I expected him to, but that's all game strategy. Then the rest of the team was able to step up around the impact that he was having, something that they really had struggled to do. Tim Frazier had a nice game that night, but I could see Zach Levine sort of playing the Tim Frazier role a little bit in Monday's game against the T-Wolves, and I am going to be hosting the CLNS postgame show, so make sure you're all looking for the tweets and announcements for that and then join us immediately following the game. I believe we'll be going on right at 1030 or when the game ends, whichever comes second. But I could see the T-Wolves and old friend Tom Thibodeau giving us some trouble. (laughs) I think the Nets are doomed. It's going to be a crusher on Wednesday heading into Thanksgiving and then the Spurs take the Celtics. I'm going, I'm going to go two and one. You know, I'm going to stay optimistic on the north side of 500 with uh, with my predictions this week, but I do look at that Timberwolves game in a very similar light as the Pelicans, although the Timberwolves already have a better record than the Pelicans. When, when we were making our predictions last week about the Pelicans game, the Pelicans were absolutely atrocious. There were rumors all over the place about trades, etc., this early in the season based on the fact that they weren't really performing and getting over the hump, and yet they steal a one-point win. So it probably will go the other way. I think it'll be a two in one week. The Celtics are healthy, but it could get a, it could be a lot closer against the T-Wolves than, than maybe we would normally anticipate. 
I think that the T Wolves will be a good challenge, but I, I like the fact that Horford's back. I think he's going to be able to neutralize a lot of, of, I think, you know, Towns will still, still, is still a great player and it's still going to get his, but I, I think the Celtics will be okay tomorrow night, um, against, against the, T, or I should say tonight, I should say against the T Wolves. I do, I think they'll go actually sweep the week. This is I. I'm, I'm, people are gonna start wondering about me. I'm up. I'm down. I'm left. I'm right. I know. Last week you're all you know the, very the pessimistic. Sky is falling. The sky is falling. I think the thing is, is now that they're healthy, you're all optimistic again. The the week, right. not last week, but the week before your negative Nancy week was when Kelly Olynyk was coming back. So there was reason for optimism there. And now that Al Horford's back, I think you're riding the same train. You're gonna say three yep. and zero though. You're gonna say yep. the Celtics. The day after Turkey Day, when everybody wants to take a nap, are going to end up being the one that drinks a, a couple pots of coffee and comes out against the Spurs at home for a win. I do. I think they're going to beat the Spurs at home. I, on, on a on, yeah, bold, got to be bold. Um, yeah, I, I do. I think that they are. The Celtics are going to be in a, in a good spot. The Spurs are still finding themselves. In the post Tim Duncan era, we know Kawhi is 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 the goat there. He's the guy who's running the show, uh, but the Hor- but Crowder's return will make that uh, a much more positive experience for the Celtics. I do believe their backcourt is a mess though in in San Antonio, and I really could see Isaiah having a field day, Bradley having a field day. I think it's going to be a good day for the Celtics on on the day after Thanksgiving. Ah, uh, I can't agree, but we'll be back just a week from now uh to kick off the uh first week coming back from the Thanksgiving weekend. So we'll evaluate ourselves once again. I think a modicum of success, but the injuries are making it harder and harder to predict these these schedules. Thank goodness they're healthy. That's going to do it for this week's show. This, uh, the broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A huge thank you to everybody for tuning in. You can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. Your feedback is extremely important important to us and a reminder that today's show has been brought to you by audible.com and blue apron they've got a great deal for all of you listeners but most importantly you would be supporting our show and the entire network and just a shout again on that blue apron it's three free meals and free shipping going to blueapron.com forward slash csl 2016 that's how we support you here at celtic stuff live three free meals so a big thanks i want to just a shout to the loyal clns radio audience who makes it all worthwhile and for staff writer eddie santiago program director larry h russell the founder of clns radio nick gelso and my co-host here john duke i'm justin Poolin. thank you for listening to this week's edition of celtic stuff live celtic stuff live